Hey guys, it's RJ and Angie, and this is the Rich by Intention podcast. Our guest today is Rakim Sabri. He is an author, columnist, speaker, and financial coach who focuses on financial trauma as the obstacle between financial literacy and feeling financially empowered. In this episode, we discuss what financial trauma is, how he aspired to be poor growing up, and how to find authentic financial education on social media. We hope you enjoy this episode. And as always, thank you for tuning in. Don't forget to hit the subscribe button and be sure to follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. Hey, Rakim, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. You know, we're really excited to have you on the podcast. For our listeners who may not know you, can you just tell them a little bit about yourself? Sure. So my name is Rakim Sabri. I'm an author and columnist. I uh, am a financial coach and I focus on financial trauma and its relationship with feeling financially empowered. Awesome. Awesome. I, I love, you know, the normalization of, you know, discussing financial trauma nowadays. Can you break it down what it actually means for our listeners? Yeah. So I define financial trauma as any instance experienced or observed that has a negative impact on the way that you view, interact with or believe about money. So that can be small traumas like, you know, listening to somebody's bad advice and and that having a negative impact on how you interact with money. Or it can be a life changing experience like being evicted, like being laid off, any kind of like negative money experience that I mean, I think many people, if not all people have. Yeah. The first thing I kind of think about is like childhood, right? Like, you know, just growing up, rather, you know, you uh, grew up in a low income family and the traumas associated with that, or just the lack of communication about money, which ultimately leads to you making financial mistakes. How can people navigate through that and recognize when it's something from their childhood versus their own doing just from lack of not knowing? Yeah, that's a difficult thing that I think a lot of people deal with. And for me, uh, in my experience and and even in in practice, what I've noticed is that exposure, education and execution are really like the keys to getting out of that mindset. Right. So exposure just means you learn that something is possible or that something exists. The education is figuring out how to move really through education, right? What does it take for me to get into that space? What does it take for me to acquire this? Who do I need to talk to? And then the execution is taking action, which I would say is the hardest part because you have to then go battle with yourself, right? The traumas, the beliefs that you had maintained previously, all of the what if questions and the scenarios that you create in your mind around why this thing can't happen. And it's at that point that I think a lot of people could use the benefit of somebody like a financial coach to kind of help handhold them through the process and saying, okay, you're creating this monster, right? In your mind, how do we move through that on either the strength of your own ambition or with somebody else's help? Yeah. Yeah. I, I think often like a lot of times we try to figure it out on our own, especially when it comes to money, just due to the lack of communication, normalization of it. And Sometimes we dig ourselves into like a deeper hole by trying to like fix it ourselves. And really what I'm trying to say is that being able to go to a coach is a task in itself or knowing that you need to go to a coach. What do you find people actually do to change that mindset? Right, One, to recognize that they have this trauma and need to fix it. But the step to actually go into someone to 
you know, getting help, how can people do that, make that change? That's a good question. I think, you know, just kind of in my own experience, my marketing strategy has been very helpful to kind of help meet people where they are, right? So I lead with transparency. So my practice is very much based off of what it is that I'm sharing on social media, what it is that I'm writing, instances like this, right, where I'm having conversations about my experience and leveling, like saying, hey, okay, this is where I came from and this is where I'm at and I see you. And so I think a big part of that is representation matters, right? So if I can see that somebody looks like me, comes from where I came from and has overcome some of the challenges that I've experienced or that I'm currently experiencing, I might feel better about reaching out to them or engaging in conversation. Another big part of it is is education again, right? So even if it's not somebody that looks like me, but I pick up a book like, and I hate to plug uh, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, but pick up a book like Rich Dad, Poor Dad, and I don't see myself in the author or the author's character, but I'm introduced to these concepts and these terms, it might inspire some conversation or inner dialogue really around, okay, this is where I'm at, but that's where I want to be. So what does it take for me to get there? And there's such a hunger, I think, on social media around this type of content, because like you said, it's not normalized yet that we're talking about money in the household, at schools, even at work. And so it's refreshing to kind of hear like, oh, this is something that maybe I can take action on today, or maybe I can create a plan around for the next five years. And then the audience tends to want more. So I think the work that really all of us do, right, as financial creators is important because not only does it start the conversation, but it keeps the conversation going. It gives people options And then our personalities and our unique stories can hit on the different nuances of other people's experiences that may make them feel more comfortable approaching a coach or an educator around their product or their service. So, you know, as you're talking about the importance of having exposure, you know, especially like early on, you know, it reminds me of a TED talk that you did in 2019, where I think you said you aspired to be poor. Yeah. (laughs) Can you just talk a little bit about that and what exactly you meant by aspiring to be poor? Sure. So at that particular point in time in my life, my parents had just separated and um, I became aware of the household finances. So I was helping my mom manage really what we had in terms of government assistance through Section 8, through food stamps, and um, just kind of helping budget, you know, paying the bills, doing, doing a lot of the administrative tasks that maybe weren't tasks that I should have had exposure to in that um, time frame, And I noticed that we were surviving, right? Like we were doing, like we weren't homeless. We didn't have, not have food. And so when I say I aspire to be poor, like that modality is a poverty modality, right? And so I aspire to be able to do what she did and provide and survive. And so I didn't realize at that particular point in time that there was anything beyond survival, right? And so a lot of people, especially as it relates to their personal finance, operate out of a survival modality. And because they're so ingrained in like the day-to-day, they don't have the opportunity or they don't take the opportunity to kind of take a step back, zoom out and say, all right, I can do this thing if I have a plan or a strategy or the education and the encouragement to move forward in that way. So The biggest example um, that I like to share is that we had Section 8. We were living in an apartment 
And I just believed that when I was old enough, I would go out and get Section 8 and live in an apartment. And I was living in uh, Westchester County in New York at the time. It did not occur to me at any point that when I left my mom's house, I could go and buy a house, become a homeowner. And so it took a, a drastic change in environment and influence the people that I, were talk- that I was talking to, what they acquired in terms of assets, whether or not they had property, how old they were, what kind of money they were making for the light switch to kind of flick in my head and say, hey, you could be a homeowner. And you don't have to wait until you're like in your 40s and your 50s and your 60s, right? To own a home, you can do this right now. So the realization of, you know, all of that and moving through all of that. So I was 26 years old when I bought my house. I, um, that, I attribute all of that to the change in the environment and just realizing that it was possible. So going back to that whole idea of the exposure, the education, the execution, like that was my lived experience. And so in preparing that TED Talk, I thought it would be, first of all, like captivating, right? To say something like that and to pause and let the audience kind of digest that statement. Because I think a lot of people unknowingly aspire to be poor. And by giving them the vocabulary to really like acknowledge that and then show that that can be overcome was the impact that I was trying to make in that talk. Wow. Just from hearing your story, you know, it amazes me that at such a young age, you took on the responsibility of one, just, you know, helping your family by just starting to help with the bills, like managing the finances in the household. And it also reminds me that, you know, oftentimes a lot of people don't get that exposure, right? Don't get the exposure to what's outside of their current environment. And so I'm just wondering, we're both, my husband and I are both from the inner city, right? And we only know a lot of times, a lot of our friends only know what's, they don't even know what's outside of their block, right? People right. don't even know what's outside of their block. My mom, as as a matter of fact, used to run a summer program where she helped a lot of inner city youth and she would take them to, to have cultural experiences. And so many of them just didn't even know that a lot of the things that they were experiencing were in their own city, right? Because a lot of them just couldn't, just didn't have the opportunity to even go outside of their neighborhood. And so I think about that, like how, how can parents help to give their kid that exposure, give their children the exposure so that they can know that there's more out there for them to experience and to, to aspire to? Yeah, that's a good question and, and hard to answer, right? As, as a non-parent, <laughs> but I think of something my grandfather used to say, he used to tell me that the best education came through traveling first and reading second. And he was so adamant about that as we were growing up. And so I would, I would echo that. I would echo that sentiment in that if there's an opportunity, then there should be an opportunity to travel. And by any means, you know, that takes, right? Whether it's getting on a train or getting on a plane or getting on a boat, traveling is so important to expand, first of all, your cultural worldview, but also to see that, you know, there is life beyond the block. Yeah, I, I think I'll leave it there. I mean, I, I for a long time, was a pretty avid tra- traveler before the pandemic came and, and changed the world. And I would travel by myself sometimes. I, I mean, the last trip that I made internationally, I flew to Barcelona, Spain, and Casablanca, Morocco, just for the purposes of writing, 
I wanted to get into a new environment. So I know that not everybody has that level of comfort and that they will go and travel on their own. But I think, you know, as a parent that certainly, you know, a weekend trip or if vacation is possible, a week trip somewhere outside of, you know, your block is something that would be very beneficial from an educational perspective for children. Yeah, definitely. You know, like travel is so important, just trying to get your children outside of the normal environment. And it doesn't even have to be somewhere, you know, like getting on a plane, you know, because again, not all of us are in the position where we can't afford to, you know, travel outside of our state, country, et cetera. But so often, even if you go to your local library, right? You know, they have access to museums in your in your city. They have access like free passes to like just different cultural experiences in your in your neighborhood. So I would definitely encourage people just to kind of go to their local library and see what resources they have so that you can offer an enriching experience to your child. And so another thing that I thought about as you were speaking about aspiring to be poor, it reminded me of some of the limitations that we put on ourselves, especially when it comes to wealth building. I would even say that I've been guilty of that. You know, a lot of times we don't feel worthy right? Especially because if we grew up a certain way, we don't feel worthy of, you know, making all of this money. And oftentimes, you know, especially I think in our community, we have like a negative connotation or association with money, right? Money is the root of all evil is something that comes to mind. And that's something that a lot of us have to work through. So like, what advice do you give to people that kind of put these limitations on them? Like, they may not say that I aspire to be poor, But subconsciously, there's a lot of limiting beliefs that they place on themselves that say, you know, this is the level that I'm comfortable with. And if I go past that level, I don't know if I'll be able to handle it. What do you say to those people? Yeah, good question. I think more than the individual putting or buying into those limiting beliefs that the conversation should expand into like these generational beliefs, right? That, you know, we inherit some of these beliefs just by, by virtue of existing in that environment, right? So if, you know, grandmother, grandma did it, dad did it, now I'm going to do it. And so it's really hard to challenge familial beliefs as it relates to money, because it's just, that's the way that it's always been, or that there's some stigma and, and some way that we had to move through, through navigating our finances that we just internalize. And so I think that's hard when you get to a place where you ultimately have the choice to decide what, what do you want to feed yourself? What do you want to buy into? And ultimately, what do you want to challenge? The only ways that come to my mind in really challenging that is being exposed to new belief systems, right? Being exposed to new belief sets. And you know, the world that we live in today makes it a lot easier to do that because of social media. But at the same time, it's a double-edged sword because there's so much misinformation out there that can reinforce those negative beliefs that you had, right? So if you see somebody, you know, on social media talking about their financial success and their pathway to getting that, and then you embark on that pathway, but then give you the highs and the lows of that experience. They didn't prepare you mentally to endure the challenges that come with that experience. And not that that's on the creator to do, but you internalize, you know, their process without understanding their belief behind executing that process. And you're disappointed. 
now you double down on that limiting belief that you had going into the situation. So I think mindset work is definitely very important. It's the area that I focus on. And, you know, I know that I'm not alone in that. But really, the reason why that's the area that I focus on is because I realize that there's so many people talking about the foundations, right? There's so many people talking about financial literacy and budgeting and saving and building credit and pay yourself first and direct deposit and, you know, all of these things that we hear. But there are not a lot of people talking about exactly what you asked me. Like, how do you overcome this generation's old belief that is limiting as it relates to what I deserve, what I'm capable of earning, what I'm capable of investing or putting away? Where do I see myself at, you know, this point in my life versus that point in my life? What do I see for future generations? And the more that conversations are had around that and people are able to tell their stories in overcoming and emphasizing the importance of mindset and, and really kind of protecting, protecting your peace right in that mindset, I think that's very important where you might embark on a new, a new set of beliefs and somebody who is you know, close to you, your sister, your mom, your grandma says, oh, you know, that's nonsense, right? Like, don't, don't believe that. It won't work that way. So now you're not only having to battle internally, you're having to battle externally, the other influences in your life. And so I think coming up with a roadmap for what you would like to have happen and, and sticking to that roadmap Surrounding yourself with people who reinforce that roadmap and limiting your contact and exposure to people who are going to challenge that roadmap is very important. And that's not always easy either. Definitely. I mean, I'm a big proponent of when you're working towards a goal, you know, sometimes you got to keep that to yourself and only share it with very specific people that you trust that are going to, like you said, reinforce that vision, that roadmap to you, like just speak life into you as you're on that journey, you know, whether it's trying to pay off debt, whether it's, you know, starting to learn how to invest, to build wealth, whatever it might be, you know, just having a small circle of people that you truly trust and who are truly rooting for you, I think is important. And, you know, just kind of filtering out all of those negative Nancy's, whether it's your aunt, your mom, your dad, you know, you got to like keep them at bay because it does get difficult. And it it is easy to get back into that negative mindset of, you know, not believing that you can actually achieve what you set out to do. So I want to talk about something that you said around this whole financial education, financial literacy space with the content creators and the influencers. You said that when did keeping up with the Joneses start to look like financial education? What did you mean by that? Can you break that down? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I noticed in being in this space, right. And kind of, I guess, accepting the title uh, or position of influencer, right. That there's so much misinformation out there and beyond the misinformation, there's a lot of, I'll use the word posturing, right? So it's the lifestyle marketing that says, oh, in order to be successful, you need to have this. And I think in recent years, like the big status item was like the G-Wagon. There was so yes. much. So oh my much- gosh, <laughs> on IG, right? Like, I keep going. I hear you. There was so much content around like the G-Wagon. And I'm like, me personally, like, I, I think it's ugly. Like, I don't, I don't even want that. But it became like the goal. Um, another big one was the Rolex. And we saw during 
during the pandemic, the valuation of Rolexes went up significantly because the demand had increased with, and I, I won't attribute it all to, to social media, but the people that had it, their Rolexes were appreciating. And the people that wanted it were paying top dollar to get it. And it was just like, and I like watches and I absolutely would have a Rolex, but not to go on social media and say, look, this is, this is a measurement of what my success looks like. And so, you know, beyond like the material things, you have baby influencers, right? The new people who are coming out and they're sharing content or creating content based off of something that they heard somebody else say. And it's like the new end thing to become a finance influencer. So just kind of being aware of all those things, I decided to kind of gather my thoughts and, and shine a light on it, right? That financial literacy, if, if you're, in, and I'm using financial literacy in quotes here, if you're talking about investing in the stock market, if you're talking about buying cryptocurrency, if you're talking about, oh, you know, this is how you can depreciate XYZ on, you know, your tax return and entrepreneurship and LLC, Twitter, all of these things, people are seeing that and they're like, oh, I want to do that. Oh, I want to do that. And so the biggest example in that piece that I talked about was, you know, the whole rise and fall of the cryptocurrency. I personally witnessed people dumping their either life savings or significant portion of their saving into these meme cryptocurrencies or meme stocks because they heard about it on social media, because influencers or notable people like Mark Cuban, Elon Musk were talking about it, Meek Mill even were talking about it on Twitter. And they didn't have the foundation or like the mental preparedness to understand how these markets work and that you investing everything into this is ultimately going to lead to devastation. But I think that people, it was kind of like a double-edged sword, right? People were doing it out of desperation for sure, because they were witnessing other people talk about their success. And then some people were doing it because it was the new hot thing to do. And so when I say keeping up with the Joneses, it was almost like a status symbol having a G-Wagon, wearing a Rolex to say, oh, I'm invested in Dogecoin or, oh, I'm invested in AMC. And people were talking about it from the position of either an expert or the position of like, yeah, I got my, I got my skin in the game. And so I just thought it was important to shine a light on that, that we don't want financial literacy or the appearance of financial literacy to become the next keeping up with the Joneses, even if under the guise of furthering your financial education, that is kind of like the narrative that's being presented. You know, that's so true. And I don't know, I think with like the rise of social media over the last decade, you know, it's been really hard for people because it gives you that feeling of FOMO, right? That feeling of that I'm missing out, that I'm doing something wrong because and these people are doing something right. So if they're doing something right, let me just follow what they're doing. But it goes back to what you said earlier, where you're not seeing the highs and the lows of people's success or failures, right? And to your point about people following the Mark Cubans, the Elons, the Meek Mills, you don't know what advisors they have around them telling them and educating them about variety of different cryptocurrencies and whatnot. We don't have access to those same resources. And so one of the things we like to do with our platform is to us, finance personal finance isn't that sexy, right? We're a little boring, right? 
You know, we just want people to get the foundation down and to become millionaires next door, not, you know, caring about the Rolex, not caring about the G wagons and whatnot. We want you to get on a budget, track your expenses, have a debt payoff plan, really think about how you can pay down your debt, have a strategy in place, start investing in in index funds, right? You know, for the long term. And it's like, it doesn't look that sexy, right? Like, but it works. It's tried and true. It gets you on the path to build wealth in a very systematic, routine way, right? But oftentimes the glitz and the glam is what gets people, right? It's, it's what stands out to people. And I'm just curious, like, how do we, how do we get people away from wanting to keep up with the Joneses and, you know, just starting to do the things that aren't, don't look so sexy, right? But with social media, it's so difficult. Like, what is your advice as a coach to people who just, who just need to do the basics? Yeah, that's an uphill battle. And as you were asking the question, I was kind of thinking like, we're fighting human nature, right? And so that's a challenge in and of itself as a financial educator, because you have the group of people who are going to use lifestyle marketing and, you know, the sex appeal that comes with having the newest, shiniest, whatever, to sell courses, to sell, you know, programs and products and say, hey, this is what success looks like. You want some of this? Well, then, you know, buy my course. You want some of this? Join my masterclass. And I think it could be very tempting for content creators to fall down that, that path and, and unknowingly inflict, like, financial trauma. And so, you know, I had made reference to the Rich Dad, Poor Dad book earlier. And, um, you know, just we can have a whole episode on that. But there are a lot of people who read that book, myself included, whose entire worldview around entrepreneurship, around investing, around money in general was changed based off of those concepts. But what I take issue with today and what I see duplicated over and over again in you know, this influencer world of social media is that Robert Kiyosaki's claim to fame is not his investment in real estate. It's his book sales. And so there are a lot of people who are teaching or making money under the guise of teaching a process, whether that I know, and they're not making money in the space that they're talking about, that they're selling. And so Again, I think it's it's a challenge for for all of us. But how do you weed that out? Like, how do you weed out the realness from the you know from the marketers, right? The 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 people who are giving you that lifestyle marketing. Like, how do you tease that out? Because it is enticing, and you get drawn in. But how do you get on the right track to find people who are like really going to teach you the fundamentals that you need to be successful? Yeah, I think like in a perfect world, the, the ideal answer would be more people who are leading with integrity and leading with who are not doing that, right? More people who are, who are authentic, just continue to normalize like this honest approach to to money. But I, I know that that's an ambitious ask, right? Because like you said, it's not sexy, it's boring. And, you know, a lot of times people are faced with having to learn delayed gratification and having to kind of deal with their own internal limiting beliefs and, you know, just all the things that we talked about, but I don't think it's impossible. Right. And, and part of 
the way that I've navigated social media anyway, um, as an entrepreneur, as a coach, as a financial creator is through keeping integrity first. I mean, there's so many buzz themes that I could have gone out and said, oh, I can teach you how to become an 800 credit score in 30 days, right? You see stuff like that on social media and people eat it up. You know, I want to, I want to go down the path of saying, well, you got to find somebody who's credentialed and qualified. But I think that that's dangerous too, because there are people who are qualified who are not credentialed. There are people who, um, who can help you, but don't have like the designation or don't have the, the accolades, the, oh, I was mentioned in Forbes. Oh, I was mentioned, you know what I'm saying? Like, and a lot of that is to your point, marketing. And I've, I've used it, right. I'm guilty of it. I've gotten, I've gotten, you know, the certified financial education instructor designation. I've been mentioned in different publications and I've written for different publications and I've used that in my marketing to say, look at me, like I'm qualified to talk to you about this thing. But I am qualified to talk about this thing. And I know that there are people out there who are paying for these designations without being qualified. There are people who haven't spent a lot of time in the space or, and I've been seeing this happen more and more frequently lately, they will get the designation and then hard pivot into finance as if their designation was given to them around this space, right? So let's say, you know, they're a PhD in childhood education. Well, now they have a doctor in front of their name. Oh, Dr. So-and-so is now teaching financial education. It gives them legitimacy, right? Or it seems right. like they're legitimate. Yeah. Right. So it's difficult, I think, you know, as a creator to give advice on that and, and certainly as a consumer to give advice on that. But I think also, you know, you treat these, you treat the people that you listen to the way that you would treat a potential employer or a potential doctor or a potential any kind of professional, right? You I'm going to use the word interview them, but you, you do an informal interview, right? Does their content resonate with you? Does their story resonate with you? Do you feel like a connectedness to this person, their mission, the way that they talk to you, the way that they talk to other people? Because the way that I talk to you when I think that you're going to pay me is going to be very different than the way that I talk to you when I don't think that you're going to do anything for me, right? So what does integrity look like outside of the realm of the content that I'm posting? Mm-hmm outside of like the shiny and, you know, perfectness of the graphics that I, that I put out. I think all of those things matter. And, and there's also an aspect to this that is an intangible, right? What does your intuition tell you? Can, when you have a conversation with this person, does it feel like they're trying to get you? Yeah. Or just take it, money, right? Just quick money from you. Mm-hmm. Right. So I think all of those things work. And unfortunately, what a lot of people do, especially if they're not in a position to pay for coaching or they're not in a position to pay for somebody's program, is they try to like piecemeal a strategy based off of the words of a bunch of different influencers. And because personal finance is personal and you have to be accountable to the, to the information that you are consuming, you know, that, that's not the way either, right? You can't listen to me and five other people and and then say, okay, well, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to take this piece from this person, this piece from that person, this piece from that person, and not do the research and not do the work to validate what it is that's being said. I think you're exactly right. And I think, you know, as you are, you know, just learning from a variety of different influencers, I do think to your point, like you need to do your research. 
like dig a little deeper, you know, and like really un- figure out what they're saying. Because again, there's only so much you can learn in a 30 second reel, right? right. <laughs> or TikTok. <laughs> and so it's like, I think a lot of us creators, you know, we're trying to give you good information in a quick instant or something catchy that's going to hold your attention. But it really is up to you to really like take that piece of information and research it, Google it, you know, and go a little deeper, read articles about it, read books about it. So I definitely agree that we have to be accountable to the information that we take in. And so, you know, and also be responsible for kind of like educating ourselves based on what's being given to us. And so, you know, I want to, because this is actually personal to you too, right? Like you've gone down the path where you've given some money, you know, like to, to, to buy some of these financial education courses, right? Can you talk, talk to us like really quickly about one of the things that you did, you know, when you, when you thought that you were putting your money in the right place? Yeah. So, uh, you know, going back to this whole Robert Kiyosaki character, right? I uh, I was gifted the book Rich Dad, Poor Dad probably in 2013. So I was 23 years old. And like I said, opened my eyes to just this world of investing and entrepreneurship and business ownership and, you know, making the right financial decisions, financial literacy. And so I became like a Robert Kiyosaki evangelist, like anything that he had out, I was all over trying to consume. And so I had saw an ad on, I think, Facebook for a free seminar, Rich Dad seminar in New York. And I'm like, oh, I have to go to this. I took a day off work. I went out there. And during the whole seminar, they give you enough to get you interested, but not enough to do anything with. They're selling you on the three-day seminar. So I'm like, all right, well, yeah, of course I'm going to go buy the three-day seminar. It's not too expensive. So I paid $300 for a three-day seminar, took that time off of work. And during the whole three-day seminar, they're giving you, again, little little pieces of information, but they're selling you on their advanced training. And in the sales process, and and I want to be clear here too, I don't have a problem with the packaging and selling of knowledge, right? Through courses, workshops, or, or what have you. But I did have a problem with, and I still do to this, they have a problem with the sales approach to getting people to buy into these packages, particularly as I remember looking around the room and noticing that a majority of the people in the audience were people that look like me. And so the entire time they're selling they you- They were on, black, I should say that. Yeah, they're, they're, <laughs> they're, 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 they were black. Black or, you know, some other minority, Latino. I mean, I, I think there was a couple of people from the Caribbean who are also Black, people from Africa. Like, it was just people were trying to get out of their situation. And the entire time they're telling you on, don't you want to get out of the situation that you're in? Don't you want to make a difference for your family? Don't you want to... Pulling on all of the the motivating factors that would otherwise inspire you to do something. And uh, I remember thinking on day two of the three-day seminar, like, I don't want to be the person that doesn't take action. I don't want to be the person who has to look back on this experience and think, what if? And at the time, I had saved up money to put a down payment on a house. I was 24 years old. And my goal was to, I'm sorry, I was 23 years old. And my goal was to buy a house by the time I turned 25. 
So I was saving money and I had about $12,000 saved. I thought I needed 20. So I'm just like, you know, putting money away every time I get paid. And the cost of the lowest tier of their program was $12,000. And, you know, I went to the people who were my council of friends and I'm like, look, like this is a choice and I really want to do it, but I'm scared. This is all the money that I have. And this is the most money that I've ever had. What do you think? And the people that surrounded me were people that believed in me. I remember one person specifically saying, Rakim, if anybody can do this, you can do it. And that was all I needed to hear. So I pulled the trigger and I I paid the $12,000 for the advanced training. And, you know, in hindsight, I realized that a lot of what I learned, what I learned, air quotes, was things that I would either later come in contact with for free or that. I would later come in contact with for significantly less price if I was going to invest in somebody's program. And there were things that I were that I was not at that particular point in time prepared to execute on. So I spent all of the money that I saved looking to put a down payment on a house by the time I was 25 on this dream. And, you know, that kind of created a little bit of financial trauma in me that I had to navigate in the future, right? And working with coaches or other courses or other programs because I'm like, man, like that was a big burn. The positive spin on that situation was that, you know, I was able to buy a house at 26. So I was a year off on my goal. I was able to, you know, recoup not all, but a lot of the money that I had lost. And I learned in that process that I didn't necessarily need as much money as I thought I did to put a down payment on a house. And so, you know, there are definitely pros and cons to that, but you know, again, going back to that point, like I, my my financial trauma was taken advantage of in that situation. And then it was magnified by inflicting more trauma in that I was making this decision, not out of desperation because I was in a good place, but just because I wanted to put so much distance between poverty and myself that this dream that they were selling was like the answer for me at that particular point in time. Yeah, I think a lot of us get caught up in that, right? And I think a lot of these programs do try to pull on that heart, those heartstrings, right? Try to sell you that dream. And it's so hard to decipher what's real and what isn't. And I'm sure some of our listeners are caught up in that. Like, should I spend my last, whatever it may be on this product, on this course, on this, whatever it may be that they think will better and uh, put them in a better situation. But like, what, and, and the thing is, you you reached out to people about it, too. Like you count you got counsel from people around you to kind of say, should I do this? Which is a good, good, good idea. Right. But it's like, how do we how what would you recommend to people re- recommend for people to to not get themselves in a situation similar to that? Yeah, <laughs> that's a tough question, too, because I am somebody who believes and in like passionately believes in this idea of investing in yourself. And from a certain perspective, you know, on my side of the equation, that's what I did. It was the act of investing in myself. And even if the information was bad information, right, it was still the flexing of that muscle that made me comfortable in that moment. And when I say comfortable, I mean that, you know, very, very much facetiously but allow for me to move through my discomfort in that moment. And that continues to allow for me to move through my discomfort since that moment 
to invest and take a chance on programs, mentorship, etc. And so I would never discourage anybody from spending money or whatever resource they have to invest in themselves in education. On the other side of that, though, there is this idea of spending your last to do that. And I think there in that space requires a level of discernment that is not often talked about, you know, by creators, right? If in that space, they said to me, if this is your last, don't spend it. We would much rather you be able to save for this program and then comfortably spend this money. I feel like I would not have as much of a grudge, right? And of course that goes against, you know, the scarcity marketing that says buy now or you'll never get a chance to get it again or buy now when you get it at a discount. But within that class, they were, there was a whole segment on how to creatively raise money. They were teaching people to reach out to relatives who had 401ks and retirement accounts and how they can use that money, borrow that money to invest in this. They were teaching people how to call the credit card companies and request limit increases. They were teaching people how to tap into their own 401ks if they had it. I feel like that's a red flag there. It is. It is a red flag, but there was also some value in that, right? Because as, I mean, the whole program is built around real estate investing. So as a real estate investor, you have to learn creative financing. And so they were teaching you creative financing, not for the purchase of real estate, but for the purchase of this course. course. And I get it. And I think, again, everyone has their own philosophies on how to um, raise capital, to, um, (laughs) you know, get creative with financing. But like, I would encourage people to, like you said, save up, right? Save up money and not necessarily put things on credit cards and get yourself into more debt and, or pull money out of your 401k and, you know, get penalties and taxed on that money and whatnot. So there's a lot there, you know, even in what you just said. So like, Like if you're in a position where you're potentially in a course (laughs) or some type of program rather where that, you know, you where you see these red flags, I would want your something to go off like a light bulb to go off in your head and be like, hey, let me think about this a little bit more before moving forward. But you were in your early 20s, right? You were a baby. (laughs) So it's like, you know, just being mindful and just, you know, being accountable to yourself, right? to do the research, to do the due diligence before making a major purchase like that. And I think, you know, the one point that I want to get across to our listeners is that, you know, these things are going to come at you, especially with social media, you know, especially with ads following you wherever you go on the internet, but you have to do your research. You have to do your due diligence and do not spend your last on it. I would never want anyone to spend the last of whatever they have unless it's something to a life-saving treatment for your child, for yourself, do not spend your last. I'm all about investing in yourself, but you have to do that in a responsible way. And so maybe that's something that we have to break down for our listeners. Cause I think you've touched on a lot of great points here, especially in the, in the market that we're in now where there's so much being thrown at us. There's so much lifestyle marketing that we're exposed to and that we have to be able to sift through that. We have to be able to sift through what's real and what's fake, you know, and it's hard. It's really hard. And, you know, we have to 
you know, we have to be comfortable with not taking the not so sexy route, right? To building wealth too. And so for our audience, we just really want to encourage you guys to just start sifting through, know what's real, know what's fake. And, and yeah, I mean, you've touched on a lot of good things on this episode. I mean, yeah, just a lot of great (laughs) topics that we haven't even talked about on here before. And so just thank you, Rakim, for coming on and just sharing your story, sharing your experiences. And not only that, you write about this, like in various, in a variety of different columns and whatnot. And so you're sharing and articulating, you know, everything that you're seeing and experiencing and, and being and you're giving it to audiences to to consume themselves and so thank you for that because these are thought provoking things that I think a lot of us don't think about yeah and and just you're growing and you're learning and you're sharing that with others along your journey and that transparency is always key so we definitely yeah. appreciate what you're doing and you're definitely changing you know just the face of personal finance the you know bring in the normalization of discussing financial trauma because a lot of times in general we keep it to ourselves so it's very important to you know discover that learn that grow from that and share as you grow so we really appreciate everything you're doing in this community and just keep doing it yeah i appreciate that feedback from you guys so for those that want to connect with you where can our listeners find you so all of my social media is at my name, Rakim Sabri. That's R-A-H-K-I-M-S-A-B-R-E-E. And I'm most active on Twitter, Instagram, and I'm starting to be more active on TikTok. So uh, those are like the big three for me. Um, also LinkedIn, although I don't post as much personal finance content or personal finance takes, I do share some kind of thoughts or reflections on career and entrepreneurship and you know i'll drop some things about financial trauma on there but mostly twitter and instagram and tiktok thank you so much rakim this has been just enlightening you know and like we t- like i said we touched on so many great topics and just keep doing what you're doing keep your voice out there because it's so important so thank you thank you Thank you for tuning into this episode. If you like what you heard, hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Follow us on Instagram at Rich by Intention for money tips and inspiration. 